Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the letter to the Second Corinthians. Um, we've, we've entitled the series Strength and Weakness, and, and, and here's why. Because God led Paul to write to this church in Corinth, this church that was very strong, it was very wealthy, uh, many of the members were leading personalities in the city. And their whole thing is, was strength, having your act together, never showing weakness, never really suffering. Their view of Christianity did not include suffering. And Paul is fighting for the gospel and the gospel partnership with this city in southern Greece, Corinth. And so he writes this letter about strength and weakness, about glory and suffering, and how they go together because Christ suffered first suffered on the cross, and then was glorified in the resurrection, glorified as he ascended into heaven, and he sits ruling right now. But the true gospel is a gospel that is tied to the suffering of Christ, to the weakness of the cross, so that then the strength and the glory of the resurrection would be experienced. And church, we need to hear this message. So that's why we're preaching from the letter to the Second Corinthians. And today's message is entitled, Suffering trust, and hope. Suffering, trust, and hope. So here's the question. Why suffering? We all ask it, don't we? The Corinthians certainly were asking it. If I'm saved, and if I have the Holy Spirit in me, why am I still suffering? Paul is seeking to answer that question because their rejection of suffering is leading them to a false gospel. It's leading them to these false, quote, super apostles who look good, sound good, and reject suffering and say Christianity means you don't have to suffer anymore and leading the Corinthians astray. And he's, and he's giving them a theology of suffering. So last week, really the first answer to this question, why suffering, was that suffering connects us with Christ. Paul said it this way, if you share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ then you will share abundantly in the comfort or the encouragement or the glory of Christ. You can't have one without the other. I'm sorry. We all want the glory, but you must embrace the suffering. That's biblical Christianity. This, this theology of suffering. As I said before, the church in Corinth said, if you suffer, then you don't have the glory of God. What's absent in your life, brother, you know why you're suffering? is the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what they thought. And Paul said, no, it is the very Spirit who led Christ to the cross, the very Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that calls us to suffer. It's actually an emblem of having the Holy Spirit when we suffer. And so this theology of suffering rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the gospel. See, the church in Corinth was a lot like the church in Miami. What, what was venerated in Corinth was success, was image, was looking good, was, was having a good time. I want my best life right now. I want it all right now. And, and so Paul had to say, no, no, no. The, the suffering of Christ is what we enter into. And that suffering didn't just occur on the cross, it certainly did, but it began with his incarnation. 
Now think about this. When Jesus was incarnated, God in the flesh, as described by Mike Emlett, this, this incarnation was when Jesus began to suffer because in the incarnation, Jesus took the down escalator to the basement of fallen human history. He did it willingly. Jesus suffered his entire life by setting aside his glory and rightful splendor. He faced the toils and trials and heartaches every human being faces in a broken and sin-laden world. And then he suffered on the cross. And, And if you're watching, this is at the very center of Christianity, the suffering of Christ, both in his incarnation and then in his crucifixion, where he suffered in weakness. And he did that. So then, three days later, he would rise in power. He would rise in resurrection glory. Suffering ties us to that. That was last week's message. This week's message, the second answer to why suffering is this. And here's the thesis of our message this morning. Suffering teaches us to trust and hope in God. Suffering teaches us to trust and hope in God. Let me tell you something that you must understand. You cannot grow in your trust and your hope in God apart from suffering. You cannot. It won't mature. It's it's the cocoon that 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 creature, the caterpillar, whatever it is, has to fight to get out so that, that they can then fly. To mature, we must embrace suffering, which is the reason why the church in the United States is so immature, starting with Alpino. Because I don't like to suffer. I have a gregarious, fun-loving personality. I don't like to be serious. I don't like to suffer. I don't like to think very hard. I don't like to work very hard in my fallen nature. But as a Christian... As a Christian, listen to me, you want to grow up and put your hand, put your hand to the workout equipment, so to speak. Put your hand to the time to sweat. Put your hand to the place of saying, Lord, I want to grow. I want to be a follower of yours. I want to embrace suffering. And see, that does two things. You'll be more fulfilled than if you sought pleasure every day of your life. Believe me, you will grow up. You will become what God made you to be. You'll stop being such a little baby. I'm looking in the mirror right now, okay? I was looking at my grandchildren here this morning and hugging my daughter, and and, and we were just laughing a little bit about all the grandkids. But many times, I am just like that. I'm like little Olivia, just jumping around during worship, not really knowing what's going on, because I don't want to grow up. And God says, I love you, and I want to grow you up. And the way I'm going to grow you up is to bring suffering into your life. Hello? See, the Corinthians rejected that. They said, oh, no way. I don't like your gospel. I got these super apostles with big churches and fancy online ministries, and they look good, man. Man, You see what they drive? You see how they're dressed? They're successful. That's who I'm going to follow. And we never grow up. We get crowds, but not disciples. And again, I'm speaking to myself. Please hear that. There's some of you that have been examples to me in suffering. 
Thank you. Your maturity is because you know how to embrace this and the cross. You understand. Thank you. And I'm learning. 65, I'm still learning. Hopefully the Lord's going to give me a few more years and I can learn even more. Because I want to grow up. Do you understand the goal is that we grow up together to image Christ to the world and the way he grows us up is through suffering. Amen? All right. It's a weird morning, isn't it? I feel weird. Isn't it, Corey? It's a little strange, isn't it? But that's right. Weird mornings are good. They grow us up, all right? So you're growing up this morning even though you don't even know it. All right, so suffering teaches us to trust and hope in God. Put that back up on the screen, Sophie. This is the main point, and the, 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 the main point that I want to argue, and hopefully you'll see from the text, is you cannot mature as God intends you to mature. We cannot mature as God intends us to mature as a church apart from suffering, for this is the way God chose to do it. All right, Al, prove that to me. Here we go, point one. Suffering teaches us to trust in God. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. On the screen. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. Note that phrase. That we despaired of life. Any of you despairing of life? Itself. Verse 9. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, period. Now, listen to what he says next. But that was to make us rely. That's a synonym for trust. That was to make us trust or rely not on ourselves because given to ourselves, we want to trust ourselves because we want to be in control. I'd much rather trust myself than you, and I'd much rather trust myself than God. It's the God complex we all have. That was to make us rely or trust not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This is God's word, church. Paul comes and he leads with his weakness. We were in Asia and we were preaching the gospel and we were suffering for the gospel and it got so bad that we were burdened beyond our strength, strength and weakness. As a matter of fact, we despaired of life itself. We felt like we had this sentence of death on us. But listen, Corinthians. Listen, Palm Vistians. It was so that we would learn to trust not ourselves, but God who raised the dead. Can you raise the dead? I can't. A political party can't raise the dead. Your boss can't raise the dead. Your bank account can't raise the dead. Your teenager's music may raise the dead, but that's another subject. Who do you trust in? Why are you going for second? So what, you're a billionaire. We're impressed by that. You may not be because you're religious, but I'm impressed by that because I'm a scoundrel. You, You know... You may be the most powerful leader of the most powerful country in the world, and you can invade anywhere you want with impunity. So what? One day you will die. Death is undefeated. You will not live forever, and you cannot raise yourself from the dead. Trust God, and the way he teaches you and matures you to trust him is to bring you suffering. Hallelujah. Preach it, brother. 
That's what Paul's preaching. That's what he's preaching right here. Look at these terms. Burdened beyond our strength. Despairing of life itself. The sentence of death on us. See, what he's trying to do here is he's trying to get the attention of a church that values the wrong things. What do you value? A quote by Miller, a theologian who's commenting on this verse on the screen. One of the key challenges that Paul and the progress of the gospel faced in Corinth, southern Greece, port city, wealthy, much like Miami, faced in Corinth, was the almost overwhelming cultural pressure to impress. Come on. That's Miami. That's me. I want to impress you. To look good. To sound good. And to enjoy the good life here and now. They thought about ministry in terms of success and giftedness and honor and impressiveness. But... Real gospel ministry is born of encouragement in suffering. You cannot learn encouragement in suffering without suffering. You get that, right? Encourage me, Al. Okay, God's going to bring suffering. An encouragement with, which ultimately flows from the fact that God will rescue us from this body of death to live with him forever. It's not empty encouragement. It's not me flattering you. Oh, you look good, bro. Have you lost some weight? It's not that. It's the encouragement that God raises the dead, that God changes things. He's a game changer. He's in, he's in charge. He rules. Trust the one who raises the dead. So three applications to three groups this morning. The first group is this group that feels burdened beyond your strength and despairing of life itself. I want to speak to you for a moment. I'm so sorry. Even though we embrace suffering, it's not like we say, yay. I'm so sorry for your physical ailments. I'm so sorry for the relational problems in your family. I'm so sorry for the mourning of death. I'm sorry. Here's the encouragement. It says in the Bible that because Jesus took the down escalator, into the depths of human suffering and misery and and went through toil and trouble and temptation without sin, guess what? He's able to sympathize with us. Aren't you glad? What a God we serve. What a God we serve. He didn't stay in in the castle. He came down into the village and suffered with us. Jesus is here with you. He will comfort you, my friend. Remember last week, as you share abundantly in his suffering, so you will share abundantly in his comfort. May that comfort your soul this morning. The second group I want to talk to and make this application to is the group that says, well, this is a lack of the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is the religious group. Oh, you know what? This kind of suffering, this kind of weakness, what's wrong with you? Let me ask you a question. What is experiencing the resurrection power of God worth to you? Is it worth a little weakness and suffering? I mean, I'm talking the resurrection power of God. Not just a smooth oration. Not just getting everything you want this week. Not just fill in the blank. But I'm talking real power. What's it worth to you? Listen, suffering 
Suffering for the gospel, suffering in Christ, suffering in a fallen world as one who's standing for Jesus, that is actually being filled with the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. And the third group I'm speaking to is the group, I'm in all three, but I'm the president of this group. The third group are the control freaks. Well, this weakness thing. Uh, I don't know if I would have led with weakness, Paul. You're trying to win Corinth back so that you guys can be gospel partners. You're leading with like, I was burdened beyond my strength. What a wimp. I was despairing of life. What's wrong with you? See, we want to be in control. Do you want to be in control? I do. Weakness. I hate weakness. Why? Because I'm not in control. I've got this leg that is freaking out. I can't sleep. I'm not in control. And they don't even know what it is. I hate that. I hate it when I feel helpless, out of control. See, let me ask you a question. Even when you are in control, are you really? I mean, come on, bro. Just Can we get real for a moment? Are you really in control? When, you, when every light is green for you on 186, When you don't have to wait for anything, when your spouse or your roommate or your friend lives, does everything exactly the way you want it and serves you, you get the promotion, you get the best rating at work, you get the best grades in school. Are you really in control? Are you really? So for us, would, would, would you be willing to, to trade in this insatiable, maniacal desire to be in control, Al, for the unshakable hope of God? That's the question for us, which leads us to the second point. Why suffering? Not only does it teach us to trust in God, but point two, suffering teaches us to hope in God. Let's read verse 10, 2 Corinthians 1.10. He delivered us. This is Paul talking now. Remember, he left them off in verse 9 with the sentence of death on his head. He, God, delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. On whom have you set your hope? I'm talking functionally. I know, it's like Sunday school, right? What's the answer, kids? Jesus. <laughs> gotcha. I've set my hope in God, Al. I'm talking functionally. I know for me, the functional setting my hope in things is always tested when I don't get those things or those people don't come through. And then I, and at being at, by the way, being a control freak, what do control freaks do when they get out of when things aren't under their control? While this control freak uses tries to use anger to gain control. Oh, that works. Oh, the list is very long of all the stupid things I've done in my life because I was out of, didn't get my way and I didn't get control and then I got angry. Whew. Never ends well. So when our hope is placed in the wrong person or the wrong thing, is there anger when they fail us? Is there, is fill in the blank, the, the reactions to that. It, it helps me understand I've got my hope in the wrong place. Got my hope in the wrong place. See, what Paul is saying, I hope in God who has delivered us. 
from death. He did that on the cross. Again, if you're not a Christian, this is the gospel. He delivered us from death by coming to this earth, Jesus, God in the flesh, and then dying on a cross, dying on a cross, taking the wrath of God for us, and then three days later, rising from the dead, he delivered us from death. And he currently delivers us. Every breath we take, every step we walk, he's delivering us every day. And he will deliver us one day as Christians. This is our hope, that when Christ returns, he'll deliver us into eternal glory. This body with an aching leg and an aging eyesight and hearing and all the rest will be transformed into an eternal body that will never die, that will never get sick, and I'll live forever and ever in the glorious kingdom of God. So what Paul is saying, Corinthians, here's the gospel. Because he has delivered us, because he is delivering us, because he will deliver us, put your hope in God. Why are you putting your hope in some secondary, tertiary thing that is nowhere near God? They're going to defraud you. They're going to disappoint you. This is not going to work. See, friends, it is impossible to mature in putting your hope in God apart from suffering. It's impossible. These aren't bad things, but listening to 45,000 YouTube sermons from your favorite preacher is not a bad thing, but that alone will not mature you in putting your hope in God. What's going to mature you in putting your hope in God is when you get into a situation that is hopeless and God gives you the grace to put your hope in him. If I want to get strong, I pick up the weights and I begin to lift them. Just looking at the weights and watching a YouTube of someone else lifting the weights is not going to get me strong. I wish it did. I wish I could take a pill. See, hope is born, church, when God delivers us from hopeless situations for the sake of the gospel. And because we're in those situations, believing God, hope is born when God delivers us from hopeless situations by the power of his resurrection life. Let's go for it, man. What do we have to lose? Let's follow him. And when we despair of life itself, and when we're burdened beyond our strength, and when we feel like the sentence of death is on us, then we're going to experience God's hope, God's deliverance, God's resurrection power. And, and he ends this section right here with verse 11. What, what, he, what verse 11 is, is he's saying, hey, Corinthians, are you with me? Or are you with those false apostles? Actually, what he's saying, are you with God? But, but, but he's saying, I'm, I'm teaching you because Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit when he wrote this letter. This is God's word. Are you with me? Is our gospel partnership still intact? Or are you going to go over there to what looks good and sounds good and is more comfortable? <clears throat> or are we still partners in the gospel? Look at verse 11. There's faith in verse 11. I love verse 11. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. He's including them. He's saying, this is true. So listen, pray for us because we're suffering. 
We're out here preaching the gospel and living the gospel. It's a dangerous world for those who are walking with Christ. If they went after him, they're going to go after us. And so we're going to trust him that with the sentence of death, he's going to deliver us from death. And we believe that he's going to raise us from the dead. This is the heritage of all believers. It started with Abraham when he offered Isaac up on the altar. And he says, I believe you, God. I believe you. This is the son of promise. I believe you that if even now he dies, you can raise him from the dead. Not trusting in me trusting in you. And it's the heritage of all the men and women of faith all through the gospel. If you read the faith, the hall of fame of faith people in Hebrews 11, this is the mark of their faith. I trust God. Corinthians, will you join with me? Let's, re- let's solidify this gospel partnership by understanding suffering properly. Because knowing that it teaches us how to trust God and how to hope in God. And the way he ends it is is so, in a sense, Pauline. This is how Paul ends. For the blessing granted us through the prayers of many so that many would give thanks on our behalf. What Paul wants is to teach the nations to worship God, to give thanks to God. Not to some man or some woman who has the greatest plan or has the smartest way or whatever. No, no. The thanks goes to God. So come pray with us. Suffer with us. And we'll all give thanks to God. To him be the glory forever and ever. So here's the appeal, church. Are you with me? <laughs> and I don't ask that because I'm insecure. Paul certainly didn't ask that because he was insecure. Me, eh, there are days, you know, I got my good days and bad days. But I don't think I'm asking it this morning because I'm insecure. I'm asking it because if we are together in what God is saying about suffering, the purpose of suffering, and what God is saying about the gospel, how it shines through suffering, glory, death, life, Christ on the cross, Christ raised from the dead. This is the gospel, and we embody it, and we live it. Then then are we willing to embrace the suffering of Christ that we might learn, and that suffering in our lives, suffering in our lives, that we might learn to trust and hope in him? Church, suffering teaches us to trust in God who rescues us from this body of death to live with him forever. And suffering teaches us to hope in God who has delivered us, is delivering us, and will deliver us into his glory. Suffering strips us of our trust in ourselves. It strips us of all of our false props. It it brings us down to face the fact that we can't do it so that then we would humbly trust and hope in the one who does and can, has, is, and will. That's what suffering does. It's a blessing, church. Because I'm so wired to trust in myself. I'm so wired to pride. I'm so wired to want to impress you. Suffering is God's blessing to shed that skin, that ugly, dying, dead skin, and live in the resurrection power of God. What's that worth to you? Your power is going to end someday. His never does. Amen? All right, let's pray. Worship team, you can join me up here. Lord, I pray that you would... um, You would give us much grace this morning. Lord, I I pray that that grace would come in the form of embracing suffering. Embracing suffering, Lord. Lord, I, I often complain about suffering. I'm doing it right now with this whole thing with my leg. 
We're going to find out later in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul had a deal. Some say it was his eyes. He called it a thorn in the flesh. He said he begged you to remove it, and then you said to him, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. In your weakness, you're strong in me. Lord, am I willing to exchange my comfort, my strength, even my mobility for the resurrection power that you bring? And, and I just want to say, yes. <laughs> it's kind of like, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> Lord, give us a hunger for you, that we would trust you. Forgive us when we don't trust you and we trust ourselves or others before you. Lord, help us to learn how to hope in you in hopeless situations, that we would shine as image bearers of yours, Christ, and sense your pleasure as we do that. Lord, would you comfort the ones that are burdened beyond their strength, the ones that are despairing of life itself? Jesus, you who suffered and sympathized with them, would you comfort them right now? Lord, would you check those of us that are control freaks, that we would trade in our control for an unshakable hope rooted in your death and resurrection, Jesus? Lord, for those who would see suffering as a lack of the presence of your spirit, would you give them fresh faith for the resurrection power that is revealed through suffering? We pray this to you, Lord, the Ancient of Days. Amen. Let's stand and let's say amen to this word from God. The song speaks of trusting in God. Can we put verse 3 up there, please, Sophie? Verse 3 of Ancient of Days. Though I may not see what the future brings, I will watch and wait for the Savior King. Then my joy complete, standing face to face in the presence of the Ancient of Days. And then the chorus, Sophie. None above him, none before him. All of time is in his hands. For his throne, it shall remain and ever stand. All the power, all the glory, I trust his name. For my God, the Ancient of Days. Let's sing that as a prayer and as a confession.